Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. There is a big difference between the schools that you went to as a child and the schools that public school children attend today. Public schools have changed significantly, even from when I led a school board at the turn of the century. The focus is not on teaching kids the basics or even life skills. It's about protecting the system and creating social justice warriors today. Now, this is not an indictment of all school systems or or even all teachers. It's just the reality in most school systems today and a commentary on where things are continuing to head. And for example, here's an article in the Daily Wire came out yesterday by Luke Rosiak, and he says, spend enough time studying the racial equity and the ethnic studies programs sweeping school districts across the nation, and you'll find that they are following in the footsteps on a several year delay of one of America's most progressive cities, Seattle. It's worth examining then how all that worked out in Seattle. Despite decades of the most aggressive equity programs anyone could have asked for, Seattle's racial disparities are among the worst in the nation. And they're getting worse, not better. At the forefront of Seattle Public Schools, or SPS, initiatives was Tracy Castro-Gill. Under, until recently, it's Director of Ethics Studies, who represented herself as a fierce chinchica, I guess, who overcame homelessness and was willing to take on racism no matter who she had to battle, turning schools into vehicles for social change. That's how she described herself. Now, as Castro Gill used children for politics in the workplace, her personal life also raised questions about the costs that can occur. She married a convicted child molester and moved her young daughter in with him. Then her her previous ex-husband told uh, the Daily Wire that that she pressured her child, who had serious mental impairments, into becoming gender non-binary. The academic achievement of Seattle's youth plummeted as she implemented initiatives like replacing math instruction with courses on power and oppression. Can you imagine? (laughs) Instead of teaching math, we implement power and oppression courses. But in this world, there was no such thing as failing. Those gaps were used to justify still more jobs and efforts like hers. You see, if the problem gets worse, then you get more money. If you actually do what you are supposed to do and help the problem get better, you get less money and maybe you're even out of a job. So that's how the government system works, of course. What follows the the never-before-told story of America's first woke school system is excerpted from a new book on the failures of American public school system. 
Race to the Bottom is this book, and, and it's, it's also entitled Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying American Education. Now, in telling the telling of her life story, Tracy Castro Gill grew up in poverty and was homeless. Her father, she said, was a Hispanic who betrayed his identity by being what she called a U.S. nationalist, which made their home intolerable. To avoid assimilation and, and show that she was authentically Hispanic, her new history went, Castro Gill joined a gang and began using drugs. None of this was real. Her father, Rick Castro, told, uh, told this, this uh, particular person that, that he and his wife, Rita, had provided for Tracy in a, a con, uh, conventional way, a, a stable, middle-class upbringing. Rick eventually earned a six-figure income, and Rita was a stay-at-home mom. Her school placed her in honors class, but she withdrew. Rick, who is half Hispanic, said Tracy's closest connection to Spanish-speaking culture may be her similarity to Don Quixote, (laughs) the fictional warrior who attacked windmills, believing that he was doing battle with furious giants. My mom was white. My dad was born here in Long Beach, Rick said. You've seen pictures of her. She's basically white. And how are they racist against you? She can't speak Spanish. She's got a last name of Gill. <laughs> Remember Rachel Dolezal? That, that lady a few years ago who presented that she was black? That's exactly what this is, he said, referring to a white woman who became uh, an NAACP official while identifying as black. And also, of course, here in Washington State. Like Dolezal, Castro Gill turned her new persona into a job. (laughs) And in Castro Gill's case, a position of genuine influence. Seattle school system named her to a district-wide position called Ethics Ethics Studies Program Manager. This actually paid her $93,000 a year to convey to children the pervasiveness of racism. She described herself as a radical atheist and considered herself a far-left anarchist. That's, that, those were her words. Her ra- uh, racialized version of education mirrored her self-proclaimed history of joining a gang and using drugs to avoid assimilation. Under her leadership, the Seattle school system, located in, in the area with two of America's largest high-tech companies, Amazon and, and Microsoft, decided to partially replace the math curriculum of every grade with math ethics studies. To pass, students must explain how math is used to oppress and marginalize people and communities of color. They must, quote, explain how math dictates economic oppression and answer, quote, why or how does data-driven processes prevent liberation? Can you imagine replacing part of the math curriculum with that garbage? Now, she was contending that using variables 
in algorithms was not for minorities, while enormous companies just miles away paid legions of computer programmers six-figure salaries to do just that. Then she was cultivating their despair over the racial income gap. In spring of 2018, the Math Ethics Studies program was piloted in six schools. The school board had approved the pilot program to decrease the achievement gap, writing, number one, we affirm our belief that the intention and addition of ethics studies into the education of Seattle Public Schools students can have a positive impact on eliminating opportunity gaps. And number two, we direct that the superintendent incorporate ethics studies as a high leverage gap eliminating strategy. So that's what they wanted to do by implementing this pilot program. Now on the next state math exam, the very next one, the performance of black students at those schools plummeted. At one pilot school, John Muir Elementary, black achievement had been rising steadily every year. It had been going up. But all of those gains and more were wiped out, with the black passing rate dropping from 28% to under 18% the next school year. 18% of the blacks in that elementary school system elementary school didn't didn't meet the math requirement now at another pilot school 69% white with only 7 black students in in the whole school the white students passing rate uh, also plummeted and it went from 60% down to 36% now confronted with these results Castro Gill replied that she never had any intention of narrowing the achievement gap, even though, of course, that was the stated goal by the the school board. Gaps, she believed, are a good thing because they ensure that we focus on race, including achievement and opportunity gaps is a Western way of thinking about education, she said. We should never close that gap because it provides space for reflection and growth. It also justifies jobs like hers, of course, (laughs) right? Despite the failure of the pilot, the district said it would prioritize ethnic studies. Can you imagine being on a school board and seeing these results in just one year? Can you imagine then saying, oh yeah, we should do that through the rest of the school district? And to help integrate ethnic studies into all curriculum, content areas, and grade levels. And an option to skip a requirement to take Algebra 2, of course, a staple of those planning to go to, to college, and replace it with a course covering power and oppression, of course, became enormously popular. <laughs> Castro Gill had alienated much of her family with her determination to find negativity everywhere and her loose connection with the truth. She steamrolled over anyone in her way. And when her older son had a child of his own, Castro Gill interrupted a game of cops and robbers to accuse the five-year-old of wanting to kill her 
because she's a poor Latina woman, Ron said. Castro Gill's son asked her to leave. Those that are trying to interject poison, your best bet is to distance yourself from them. But one group of, of people couldn't, could neither distance from her nor question her beliefs. The 54,000 children of the Seattle Public Schools where Castro Gill held a high-level central office position. She made no bones about what that meant for those children. She posed for a picture with someone wearing a t-shirt that said, quote, Marxist ringleader, adding on social media that she said, next step is matching indoctrinated t-shirts. The state named her Regional Teacher of the Year for 2018-19. The rise of Castro-Gill and the ethics studies in the Seattle schools is in part because a large part of what students learned in the ethnic studies was how to demand more ethnic studies. <laughs> Castro-Gill's underage um, protégés uh, packed school board meetings and pressed officials to mandate ethnic studies pre-K to 12th and fully staff ethnic study departments and mandate throughout a f- the, 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 the frequent staff racial equity trainings. While she was employed by the school system, Castro Gill also led an activist group called Washington Ethics Studies Now, which attempts to change school policies. A handful of the Seattle students associated with this organization created the NAACP Youth Coalition, and school board members encouraged them to show up at school board meetings to advocate. Yet the teenagers did not actually seem to believe they faced racism dire enough to to take the time out of their days to encourage the activism, And, and the club membership actually declined. Quote, if you are facing multiple interlocking systems of oppression, you who has the time or ability to keep showing up to pressure school board directors, one responded. The group's fortunes improved after government money was used to pay them to lobby the government. Rita Green, an NAACP official who who nominated Castro Gill as Teacher of the Year, applied for a Best Starts for Kids grant from King County, which was used to pay the youth for their anti-racism efforts. No longer do adult coordinators have to ask students to volunteer their time to make change. The local NAACP received an $877,000 grant to improve school culture and climate for all students. In partnership with Seattle Council PTSA and Seattle Public School District, the tiny group of compensated activists could pack a meeting allowing school board members to say they were just being responsive to the popular demand. And of course, they weren't. They were there being influenced by people that were paid to do it. Castro Gill's tactics of expanding ethics uh, studies programs in this way was helping, uh, was helped by another tactic. And that tactic was bullying. 
in her old life, she might have seen this as you know, a personality flaw to overcome. But her new persona was full of righteous indignation that justified any form of aggression or scheming. As a sympathetic journalist described it, quote, she admits to having little time to dither or speak Seattle polite to people who either didn't understand or recognize the issue. Color, uh, children of color had been drowning in educational whiteness for centuries, and even learning to swim meant assimilating. Um, so it, it if you learn to swim, you're racist. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Even this meant subverting their identities if you learn how to swim. If you were if you were too daft to understand this circular overhead overhaul necessary to stem this chronic tide of whiteness after having a little fun at your expense, well, Castro Gill was ready to get back to work. This was what was written about her by a sympathetic journalist. The advocates simply built a footing within the bureaucracy, then began treating everyone else, parents, taxpayers, even colleagues, as the enemy. When the media began asking about the curriculum, Castro Gill's bosses asked her to give interviews. It was a chance to bring her important message to the mass audience. She resisted, saying the, the public backlash to the framework amounted to emotional, ra rationalized trauma. A <laughs> resident complained to a, a curriculum manager about the math ethics studies uh, and, and the tenants, despite being a staunch liberal, she said, I desperately hope this document does not represent what we are teaching in our schools, in either math class or in social studies. My hope is that some well-intentioned but naive individual created this document and the larger group brought common sense to the situation. The resident pleaded for a reply, and the manager simply forwarded it to Castro Gill with the note, no worries, Tracy. I didn't respond. <laughs> How typical is that, right? Even as her power grew, Castro Gill routinely accused colleagues and superiors of racism. When she wanted to put materials on the school system's website in early uh, 2019, IT employees noted that they did not comply with the Americans with Disabilities Act accommodations for blind. And Castro Gill, reported the IT guy to, for racism. <laughs> of course. In May 2019, when a female teacher called the police to document that an 11-year-old male student threatened to effing beat your face, Casserole Gill worked with a member of the school racial justice team to gain social justice for the student, who was black. Casserole Gill sought out audio of the call and the police report and shared them leading to an online mob that uh, alleged the teacher quote wielded her white fragility and racial bias like a weapon unquote 
the teacher who noted that she had previously experienced trauma filed a complaint against Castro Gill for bullying. Castro Gill lied to internal investigators that she had not requested the files from the police in the first place. In contrast, her supervisor gave her a glowing performance evaluation in July of 2019, calling her a strong moral compass who has a very who's had a very successful year, she said. As 2019 went on, more colleagues filed complaints against Castro Gill but re, re, retracted from their comments for fear of more public shaming and further retaliation, according to an internal report. The school administrator continued to give Castro Gill's work a large platform. And in October of 2019, Lindsay Berg, who played a lead role in the school's uh, system's important strategic plan, considered uh, elevating Castro Gill's uh, teacher training to an even more prominent role. Castro Gill responded by accusing her of appropriation. <laughs> so just weird stuff, right? While racism uh, and racial activism may have temporarily given Castro Gill a sense of purpose, it also took its toll on her. She said, I'm so angry all the time as a result of working on racial equality or equity in my district. She said, today I cried in my boss's office. The level of toxic whiteness in this building is unreal. I wish we didn't have to cry because we are doing our jobs that we are hired to do. By the end of 2019, Castro Gill and at least three other of the system's racial justice professionals went on paid medical leave because of, quote, stress, unquote, of working in what they viewed as crippling, racist, and oppressive atmosphere. The unionized public school system of, of a progressive city that paid them to focus on racism. If there were any doubt about whether ethnic studies would help develop students into you know, resilient adults, prepared to thrive in their future endeavors, that seemed to provide the answer. Two months later, Castro Gill returned just in time to provide advice to a state education official from Massachusetts who hoped to replicate her work there that, that she was doing there and to build the school system for four days of travel to a youth organizing conference. On January 24th of 2020, a staff member at Olympic View Elementary School sent out a survey about Valentine's Day. Usana Jordan, a teacher who was part of Castro Gill's racial posse, forwarded it to Castro Gill and other racial equity staff demanding that they call out the whiteness of Valentine's Day, I guess. Castro Gill fired off an email to the principal claiming his school was in violation of the equity policy number 0030 due to explicit acts of whiteness, which jeopardized your fulfillment of the strategic plan for the school and the district, she said. She signed the letter using the names of high-level executives, and those leaders 
said they had not approved the language. One of them, Dr. Laura Snyder, manager of professional development services, told investigators, quote, I was not in agreement that the version of the letter as it or was sent out was complete or reflective of my input. She had tried to collaborate on revisions. And she was she she actually told the investigators that the response from Castro Gill is you're just a, a white person at the central office. So everything that you say is racist. It's like there's nowhere, I don't know, how to work with that. Castro Gill is a bully, said Snyder. I thought she actually might even hurt me. As a result of the misrepresentation, <laughs> Castro Gill was placed back on paid leave, this time for alleged misconduct on January 31st. In May 2020, the superintendent determined that, quote, you engaged in unprofessional behavior, being trustworthy, having integrity, collaborating with staff and families, and communicating in ways that allow inclusivity and voices or opinions that are different than your own are essential to and critical job functions for a manager position. Your inability to exercise these skills on a regular basis impacts our staff, students, and families. Plus, it stalls the important ethics studies work that must move forward. There was only one thing to do. Quote, I conclude that it is in the best interest of the district that you are placed back into a teaching position. Of all her outlandish actions, this one crossed the line, right? This is the one that basically got her fired. She had uh, just besmirched the reputations of top education bureaucrats by tying them to an email that caused embarrassment. This is the education industry in a nutshell, focused about all else on, on presenting a positive public image for top officials, even if it makes things worse for children. Equity initiatives are a little different. They make the, the pleasant press releases for school board members and superintendents. They temporarily placate a tiny but you know, insatiable band of activists to, who demand them, uh, but bring uh, neuroticism, uh, anger, and ignorance, suspicion, and dysfunction for everyone else. Seattle's experience proves such equity initiatives do not solve the problems used to justify them. Seattle has embraced every conceivable equity, equity program for decades. As of two, 2017, it had one of the worst black-white achievement gaps in the nation. In 1986, a Seattle task force recommended a goal for elimination of, of disproportionately in academic uh, achievement for, um, for and, and, and discipline by the end of 1989-90 school year. In 2013, the school board aspired to closing opportunity gaps by 2018, but the gaps was only getting worse. In, in 2016, black students were the equivalent of, get this, 3.5 grades behind white students meaning the average black eighth grader might perform as well as an average white fifth grader. 
by 2017, it had widened to 3.7 grades. Now, progressive racial activists might be surprised by the, the states with the smallest black and white achievement gap when it comes to the high school graduation rate as measured uh, during the 2016-2017 year. Those states are West Virginia, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Maine, Wyoming, Alabama, North Carolina, and Georgia. Chris Stewart, a a black liberal, former Minneapolis school board member and CEO of education think tank uh, Brightbeam, Uh, crunched the numbers and reluctantly found one solid conclusion. The more progressive the city, the worse the achievement gap. He said, we tried to explain it away by controlling for population size, percentage of white students, spending, income equality, poverty rate, but we couldn't, Brightbeam's 2020 report uh, said in in that report was, was called the secret shame admitted. The average gap between the percentage of blacks and whites uh, was was prominent in math. It is 41 in, in, in progressive cities and 26 in conservative ones. In San Francisco, 70% of white students are proficient in math compared to with 12% of blacks. Quote, shouldn't an incredibly wealthy place like San Francisco be the most likely to have their considerable resources, political will, and community support for helping Black and Latino children succeed in school? Shouldn't this be where we see the smallest educational disparities between white students and their Black and brown peers? It should be, but it's not, Stewart wrote. Castro-Gill's methods have cowed the educational establishment from wealthy purple hamlets to military towns and and rural Midwest. Almost every large school system, most of them suburban, has created a high-ranking equity czar position. Across the country, more and more Tracy Castro Gills are creating lasting damage in the areas that they are being hired to fix. As for Tracy Castro-Gill herself, after being removed from her job for misconduct, she began offering professional development training at at costs ranging up to $70,000 through her nonprofit. Within a few months, she had contracts with 12 area schools. In March 2021, the Washington State School Board of Education voted unanimously to require its own members and staff to take 18 hours of training from Castro Gill with the intent of making ethics studies and required course statewide. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, our public school system in this country is headed down a terrible path. This is not what schools should be doing. They should be helping prepare kids to live their lives by teaching them the basics, not teaching them critical race theory. Private schools and homeschooling will continue to just simply explode if they don't do a 180 and get back to fulfilling their responsibilities to kids and taxpayers alike. Now, you may agree with me, you may disagree. I would definitely love to hear from you on this. 
And of course, you can do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.